This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey up, it's the No Near Never podcast, with your host, Jamie Smith. Good evening, welcome to tonight's No Near Never podcast, a triumphant No Near Never podcast, after yesterday's incredible Derby Day win at Ewell Park. Um, not really sure where to get started here, we've not done a podcast after beating Blackburn Rovers. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit of a funny one, a 2-1 win for Burnley who went behind in the first half thanks to a Jordan Rhodes goal, but rode back in the second half thanks to a header from Jason Shackle and then the winner from Danny Ings. Um, 25 goals now for the season for Danny Ings. Um, guests tonight, James Bird and Dan Black. Dan, we'll start with you. What was it like at Ewood yesterday? Um, it probably wasn't as fun for me as it was for you lot, <laughs> um, due to the lack of beer in the press room. But... Uh, <laughs> It didn't, it didn't stop me from celebrating anyway. I got a few funny looks from the Blackburn fans to me left at, at the end of 90 minutes, but it was just an unbelievable experience. You know, it's, it's one that a generation of fans never thought or, you know, at one point were never confident we were going to see because of all the misfortune against them. But uh, it was just so good when it when that final whistle went. And of course, it, it had been almost 35 years, so... I think um, people of our generation, sort of people in the twenties, thirties, just something that you you got used to. The fact that we just never beat Blackburn Rovers. So it's, I still don't think it's really sunk in for, but it certainly hasn't for me. But the biggest thing, maybe at the end of the day, is the fact that we got the three points and a step closer to promotion as well. I think that's it. Yeah, I think uh, I think Sean Sean Dyche tried to take the occasion out of it. Um, you know. Like I keep saying, it's just another game to where we want to to where we want to climb to. It's another three points towards automatic promotion, and I think the results on Saturday certainly help uh, relieve the pressure a little bit as well on the uh, on the Sunday. Absolutely, I mean, I I was convinced that there was no pressure on us for Sunday anyway. With the record, it's it's all on Rovers, isn't it? None of the players yeah. wanted to be the the first Rovers team to lose to us in thirty odd years, and. The fact that they basically needed to win to keep any chance of getting in the playoffs alive, whereas we knew we could afford a slip up, and especially like you say with Derby losing on Saturday, that gave us a little bit of a cushion. Uh, mm. That lead, that lead is now eight points, basically nine with goal difference as well. We'll, we'll talk a little bit later about 
what that does mean for the promotions. Um, James, but that second half was something a bit special, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely amazing. Um, <clears throat> the first half after that, you sort of thought this is going to be typical Rovers. They, they suddenly pull out a bit of a performance when they play against us. Um, I mean, it's like they wheeled David Dunn out and he probably had the best game he's going to have all season. Um, and obviously Jordan Rhodes ended his drought, which is I think, typical of the derby that you get... It was inevitable, yeah. You know, he went nine games, whatever it was, without a goal. He was always going to score against us. Um, but obviously, thankfully, someone else ended their drought and uh, put the result in our favour. Absolutely. I mean, talking about nine-game drought, it had been four without a goal for Danny Ings, which is probably his longest drought of the season, I think. So really, seeing it on the score sheet. I thought Burnley were really good value in the first half, actually. Certainly until Rovers scored, I think. We settled quicker and created a few chances. Obviously, there was the Sam Volks one that probably was just offside. I think he was a toe offside. It had been one of those that the other end would have been screaming if it had been given. So I think that was fine. But yeah, but imagine if he'd scored. Though I think if he'd scored, it could have been uh, sort of a cricket score one. It could have been. Yeah, I mean, you never know, do you? But I think we'd started really well, and if we'd got that goal, then yeah, it's a totally different game. It's hard to say. Would but then the Jordan Rhodes game came the Jordan Rhodes goal sorry came at a really odd time in that I thought we were really on top at that point but obviously you give Rhodes time and space in the box like that and he's going to punish you I thought our defending was a bit sloppy for the goal yeah it definitely it definitely was it was uncharacteristic of us as well wasn't it we've not really conceded many goals like that this season you know where the ball's coming to the the attacker with, with his back to goal and we've allowed him the space to, to turn and swing a foot at it it's uh you know, Shackle and Duff have just, I don't know what's happened, whether they've just got mixed up on who was supposed to be closing him, but neither have, neither have gone close to him. And he just, Aiton's sight's been uh, blocked, I think, and he's, he's just swept it into the corner. I think, well, I think um, Rhodes has just drifted into a little bit of space between them, and then they're not sure who's meant to be going. I think Shackle's got his body in a, a bad position, and it's meant he's got to turn the wrong way, and then. Rhodes just needs an inch, really, and he's got two defenders who've backed off a little bit, and he's going to get his shot away, and he's going to punish her from there. Um, obviously, the big turning point, really, was early in the second half when Jordan Rhodes had that one-on-one. I'm sure all the, the Burnley lads in the press box must have thought that was game over when Jones had that slip, and I think it was done played Rhodes in, didn't he? Yeah, oh, God. He breathed, breathed a huge, huge sigh of relief. <laughs> I thought it, I was still, still convinced it was creeping into the corner just before it was, uh, just before it rolled onto the foot of the post. But yeah, massive turning point in the game. And, and Darch was saying after the game, apparently he, he turned to his, uh, he, t- he turned to uh, staff at the side of him and said, "That's going to be a big turning point for us now." Um, uh, and, it, and it was. You could see the frustration in Rhodes. He, he even knew himself how, how big a bigger moment that were. But it, it just came from a case of, of overplaying it a little bit. Um, you know, Jones has, Jones has played it short. There were no need. He could have turned out and, and, and played it wide, but he's, he's given the ball away cheaply and, and, and gifted it to Dunn, and he's just swept it into Rhodes. But, yeah, like you say, it's a big, big turning point in the game, that was. Certainly one of those where you could feel it. We just felt we had to go on and, and take advantage of that mistake because yeah, if Rhodes puts Rovers 2-0 then it's a long, long way back. I was reading on Twitter um, 
from his colleague Chris Borden actually. He said it's 18 months since Burnley have come from behind to win a game away from yeah. home. Uh, the last time we did that was a derby in September 2012, so a long, long time since we've done that. But I suppose all those, records, all those records go out the window on Derby Day anyway. Thankfully, the 34-year record's gone as well. Um, the second half as well, James, I thought we'd start that really well as well. We were on the front foot and then just that mistake from Jones like the minutes. Really funny, I began to come when on top in the match. Yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> I think part of that comes down to maybe you know a little bit of complacency when, uh, when they're on the ball and we see David Jones gives it away. Um but I think if you look at it, there's a, there's a similar chance for Burnley in the game where Danny Ings is clean through. He should really do better there as well. Yeah, I thought Ings had a really bad game, actually. I mean, I was laughing when he got the man of the match award because I, I thought he was probably our worst player on the day. But when you score the winner, I suppose that's inevitable, isn't it? There were a few <laughs> occasions where you, you really fancied Ings to score, but just maybe a little bit out of Nick and that, that one-on-one chance, you, you wondered if that was the one at the time when we missed that. Yeah, he made it easy for Robinson, didn't he? That that chance, he's you know he's got a, is it pretty much central? Um, apart from that, I, I mean, yeah, I agree. It wasn't his best game, but I thought his movement, um, you know, it, it was, it was close, close on the shoulder of, of Keane all the time, and, and Trippier kept dropping them uh, passes into the pocket uh, in behind Spur and and Keane. And in that respect, I thought Ings, you know, it, it was causing a lot of problems because nobody knew. They didn't know which which player was picking him up, um, and it and it it kind of isolated Hanley on occasions. But um, I mean, Hanley was superb for them. I thought I thought he marshalled the defence really well, and unfortunately, he was let down by the three alongside him. I think at times. I agree. I thought Hanley was really really good at the back. I mean, uh, begrudging respect for for Grant Hanley. I think a really player but I thought it was excellent. Sam Bolt's got basically no change out of him all day although no. I think we were, we were playing the ball from a deep I think the, the, with it being a derby game there was no time and space in the midfield they were pressing hard, we were pressing hard so there was just no way through so it had to go over the top a little bit and Rovers were playing exactly the same way so it was quite direct at times so that suited yeah. Hanley and Volk's just didn't have much of a sniff, but I was still a bit surprised when it was Volks who was going off. And um, when Barnes and Wallace came on in the double change, it's a really bold move from Sean Dyche, but one at the time, I was certainly one of the people on Twitter going, Ross Wallace, what's going on there? But turned out to be a, a spectacularly good decision. It was, yeah. I thought, I thought it was going to be your mate, Keith. Well, we um, were all thinking. We were all thinking Tracy would be the obvious one or Tracy or Stanislas for me. I, I thought... Ross Wallace, for me, I think he's just a bit similar to Arfield and Kyle in that he'll get he'll get some balls into the box, but I didn't think he was going to do anything really different. And I thought Rovers were handling us quite well. But his delivery for the free kick was outstanding and determination for the winner as well. I think another player, maybe he's not going to scrap as hard for that ball and get the ball back in the box. So all credit to Rovers and, of course, to the manager for having faith and putting him on. I thought Wallace was absolutely outstanding. Kevin wrote a piece on the site today saying he was our man of match and it's difficult to argue with that when you look at the impacts he's had to assist, basically. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's done really well. And the, you, them, them free kicks are just undefendable. It's just dropped into the, into that hinterland between the defence and, 
and goalkeeper. And uh, Robinson was slow off his line. You know, he should be doing better with that. But it's it's just a perfect free kick. Absolutely spot on. Just had to get ahead on it, really. I mean, come for it. Not really got anywhere near it. So, yeah, fabulous free kick. But after that, I, I was a bit worried that we were going to just sit back and, and play for the one all. I think James would have all been quite happy with one all, but Burnley showed real intent after that, didn't they, to go on and get that winner. I think the, the players smelled blood, didn't they? Yeah, I think one all from, so from the looking at the table point of view, you would have taken, but um, with it obviously being Blackburn and the 35 years and uh, the fact that it's looking a lot like we're not going to play them at least for another season, um, really, I think everyone wanted to, to go for the win. But I think once we, we scored that equaliser, we just looked like we were we were the side who were going to win if a team were going to, were going to nick it. And uh, I think, like you said, Ross Wallace was fantastic for the second he tries to have a shot on goal, it doesn't work out, but then he, he still battles to get the ball back into the middle. Um, and obviously, I think it's a bit of luck that Barnes's touch is actually really bad, but Ings is there to sort of finish it off for him. <laughs> Barnes had such a, a funny little cameo, really. I still don't think he's really up to speed, Ashley Barnes, but he puts himself around and causes problems. Of course, Barnes won the free kick for the, for the goal as well. And like you say, it was his touch. I think... Um, one of the reports we put on the side today gave Barnes a lot more deserved. I, I agree with you, James. It was just a really bad touch that felt really nice. Again, the, the two changes combined extremely well there. and It was just lucky, I suppose, that it was Danny Ings the chance fell to. Uh, Ings had had one of those days, so hadn't he? I, I wasn't confident that we were going to get that winner at all, but... I suppose Danny Ings is the sort of player Danny comes up with the goods at the big moments, doesn't he? And he's got that defining moment, hasn't he, now that even if he does leave it, he'll always remember when he got the winning goal at Ewood. Yeah, he's, he's, had a, he's had a huge impact this season, hasn't he? And, uh, yeah, he's, I, think, I think that shows the character of the player, really. You know, he's... he's it's not been working out for him in recent weeks. He, you know, nothing, he's not been able to find the net. And then when it when it when it comes to him, he, te- he takes the chance so, so confidently like that. I know I know he didn't get the best uh, connection with the ball, but like you say, it's it's one of the moments that's that's given us three points and, and boosted us towards towards a, a Premier League return. Um, um, he's, he's just a marvelous player, and, and 25 goals at this stage of the season is is a fantastic return for for any striker really. And, Long may it continue. I, I, I just think as well, not not just for him personally, but for the whole team, the boost that you you get from not only winning a derby, but winning it from from coming from a goal down as well. Yeah, I think I think that'll give him a massive boost going going into the, into the end of the season. Well, that that's that saying it's eighteen months basically since we've come from behind to win. So hopefully that's one of the few things we haven't shown that we can do recently. But We've proven that we could do that. The Danny Ings, um, Danny Ings on Twitter after the game posting a picture. He was like, <laughs> Sunday afternoon, going for a car, don't let anything else get in the way of that. That's just how we do things. I've <laughs> <laughs> got a few comments through from people listening um, by Twitter on our. Uh, Will's pulled up on saying Ings was our worst player on the day. He says, Ings' worst player, Jesus Christ, man, 100% effort all game. Not to hurt the effort, you, you always get that from Danny Ings, but I felt in front of goal, 
nowhere near his best and that's just been the case recently but when you get the winning goal, I suppose you can forgive all that. Lots and lots of comments coming in as well. I'll just go through some of these. Um, Gangster in the second half, there was only one team to win the game. The celebrations of the players when he scored proved the point. Um, you'll be aware of this more than us, I suppose, Dan, with being at Eagle, but the celebrations from the players, it, it was like they'd won the World Cup or something, wasn't it? Tom Heaton, when the winner went absolutely crazy. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a video going about somewhere. I've not seen it myself. Um, but I, I can remember seeing him at, at the time. Yeah, it, it, I think it, it just shows the togetherness, togetherness and the belief that the players that the players have got. We saw we saw exactly the same against Bolton when when we won there um, a few weeks ago, and uh, it's just it's just great great to see. It's, it's just been a while since we've been able to en- enjoy a season like this. Um, you know, the last couple we've been like pushing towards the playoff, but we've we've not really been confident of of making them. Um, and they're just a real unity at the minute, and it, it's just great to be a part of. A few other comments to go through as well. Um, Roger says it was always important, but the standard pressure of history was against us. Sean should be praised for bringing the guys to Perth and doing a professional job. Absolutely, all the credit has to go to Sean Dash for me. Just um, the, the unit, the group, as he likes to call it, that he's managed to put together this season, just absolutely outstanding. So hopefully, we can keep it up. So end of the season now, not that long to go and the position we're in, absolutely outstanding um, Roger on, Danny as well, he says he brings most of the game during his drought he provided assists, that's an interesting debate actually, the, the Jordan Rhodes Danny Ings one I've yesterday, just because Rovers' tactic seems to just be to hammer the ball down the pitch I don't think they play anywhere near his strengths and Rhodes has to play up there on his own, whereas Danny Ings has got Sam Bokes winning all the balls for him, doing a lot of the legwork. I think if you put Rhodes in the team with two up front, I think he'd be absolutely devastating. I mean, his finishing's almost immaculate. He had a couple of decent chances yesterday that went begging, but yeah, I think Rhodes is absolutely outstanding and it'd be interesting to see a little bidding for him in the summer, maybe just to annoy that lot down the road. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really interesting. I, yeah, I agree. I was surprised they didn't start with Gestad, to be to be quite honest. And I, I obviously, I know you you can't really afford to put Dunn and, and Gestad in, maybe. Um, and Dunn always thrives on on them kind of derbies, as yeah. as, as we all know. But yeah, I, I agree. I think I think Rhodes would be uh, much more potent in in a in a forward two, like say like Danny Ings, and it's it's quite. In in a way, Rhodes is, is like Charlie Austin. His his movements uh, impeccable at times. You know, he knows where he knows where he needs to be. He can slip off a defender, and he just didn't get that yesterday. Like like you say, I think I don't know whether they were trying to exploit Duff's lack of pace, maybe for you know for for Rhodes to chase. But that's not it's not his game. No, they were playing the ball over the back a lot, and I think there was one where had it on for himself and almost got something out of it, but. Overall, we're not really going to get troubled by that sort of tactic. I think you're absolutely right. If you play Dunn in that side, you've got to get Dunn close to the forward. But then if you're playing two strikers as well, it means you're going to be short in midfield. So it, it was a tricky one. But I think, yeah, I agree that Gestead had been a, a difficult proposition just because of his physicality. And he, I think he'd win more of the ball for Rod, giving more of a chance to get in and around that box. Yeah. James, he absolutely ran the game, didn't he, until he went off. It was a real moment of relief when Dunn went off even though it was still 1-0 at the time Yeah, I think 
I think Dunn sort of he's not the player he was in the past, and you'd probably suggest that Blackburn actually have better players than him. But I think he just seems to get the derby, and yeah. uh, you know he puts in a, his best performance just because it is the derby. Uh, and I think once he went off, you, you sort of thought that Blackburn looked a lot less threatening. And um, obviously they've still got Jordan Rhodes who can score, but you didn't feel like there was anyone there to set him up. Obviously, was a great thing for us. Absolutely. I still think I still think they'll wheel him out for the derby, and when he's in his seventies. <laughs> the thing is, like his, his legs have gone now, done, so you can squeeze an hour out of him. But after that, he's just there's no way he's going to make it to the end of the game. So as soon red and Dunn was off the pitch, I'm terrified we were going to throw. But had that little bit more confidence that we we're going to see it through, just because David Dunn's got that ability to drag his team through, no matter what, whether it's scoring from offside like in the 27th minute of injury time or whatever it is, he just <laughs> finds a way to get the job done. I mean, I was amazed looking back before the game, right in my preview, I thought he had a much bigger impact actually in the derbies than he has, but it only did three goals. It just feels much, much worse just because every time he scores, it counts for so much. I think he had a... Uh, two winners and an equaliser, I think those three goals, so all counted a hell of a lot, but yeah. fortunately for us, David Dunn's days are winding down now, and as James noted a few minutes ago, hopefully we're not going to play him for a long time, so might not have to put up with David Dunn again. A couple more comments to go through, actually, I'm trying to keep up with these, quite a busy show today, um, Jack says, He's got massive competition for replacing the starting eleven for Saturday after Wallace's performance yesterday. And Gank says you can't fault Kylie's work work ethic and application, but sometimes his quality on the ball is lacking. Um, obviously, it's been that same eleven for a long while now, hasn't it? I think that was eight in a row. But Wallace has really put down a marker, hasn't? He? I'm sure he'll be tempted to put him in on Saturday. What, what do you reckon, James? Do you think Wallace? going to step up or will he be restricted to these little cameos on the bench from now? I think we've been saying for a few weeks now that we all expect Carter to get dropped at some point um, because it really sort of, like, like was said, I think there by, by the tweet, you can't really fault his, his work ethic but he just he hasn't got that quality that he had a few seasons ago when he went up with Wolves and I think that's been a little bit disappointing because you've expected a lot more from him, particularly with his crossing. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get dropped. And I mean, Wallace has put in a you know a good good account of himself uh, yesterday. So you'd think he's probably at the front of the queue to get the spot. Cliche about changing the winning side, don't you? I'm sure Dash will be saying to Kitely, "You're you're playing a massive part in our success at the minute." And unless he does something really bad, it'd be quite harsh to drop him, wouldn't it? But. This, I think I think Wallace deserves to start on Wednesday night after that performance. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, like you say, it, it's the whether you change a winning side, but it, it, it like it was Wallace who was part who was key to that winning side. I think maybe away from home, given Cartley's work rate, he might he may start with Cartley. Um, it just. It, it, it just depends if he if he wants to risk taking away from from the ethic that's that's got gotten us this far in the first place, um, or does he or does he go with quality and, and, and go for the jugular straight away? It, it, it's that it's that fine balance really. Um, but despite this, 
I, I've never seen a winger hit the first man so many times in, in succession as Cartley does. And it's really, really frustrating. But it's in a funny way, it seems to be working at the minute because we're negating the opposition and uh, and we're able to punish at, at the minute. And, we, and, and having players like Wallace and... I think we've just lost uh, maybe... Was it Dan's phone that was going off? But yeah, talking about Kylie, I, I agree. I think his final ball's not quite been up to it in recent weeks. So, But you never know. Sometimes, James, you see it, don't you? When a player comes back and suddenly the place is under threat, you get a bit more out of the the player who's um, who's got that challenge. So maybe, maybe we'll get a bit more from him in the next few weeks. But it's got to be good, hasn't it? I mean, I always ridicule people who say... Wallace being back, but maybe it will be having Wallace back in the setup for the last few weeks. Maybe he will provide us with that little bit of a push to get us over. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously he showed um, he showed yesterday what he can do when he comes on. You know, he certainly changed the game, and he he had a, a big impact. You know, with that the, the ball in from the free kick is uh, just absolutely sensational, and uh, I think he's probably maybe. Alongside Keith, the best passer of the ball in the in the squad. Um, I mean, I, I think one person who really deserves a mention from yesterday, I think, is uh, Tom Heaton, because uh, without yeah, some absolutely. of the same makes, you know, we we don't win that game. Particularly the one, obviously, right at the death where he tips it over, which is just a you know That's fantastic, that absolutely you know, keep, brilliant. real keeper. Sir. There was a couple of injury time, weren't there, when they were throwing everything at us? Fairly straightforward, say you'd say at any other point, but. When it's injury time in the derby and we haven't beaten them for 34 years, they are suddenly big saves. I mean, it's easy to fumble those balls and then it's a tapping. Like that could have been quite easy. So all credit to Tom Heaton for holding on to those balls. I mean, I would still have my heart in my mouth every time the ball went in the box, but to come through that barrage, I think it was really important. And as Dan was saying earlier, that should give us the confidence to go for the rest of. The- um, Adam, we we sort of left you to it on the blog yesterday. Me and James went to the pub to watch it, like um, a pair of cowards. Left you. In- what what was that like? How did everyone? Adam, are you there? Silence from Adam. It's slightly wrong. Adam's got some technical problems. We've lost Dan. I think now Adam's got his speakers on. Now what's going on? Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Lost you there slightly, Dan. Uh, This this phone's doing me in. I think I need to throw it at the wall a few more times. I think we've got an echo coming from you now as well, Dan. It might be coming from Adam. I'm not sure. On, I, I can certainly hear the echo, but we'll, we'll plough on, we'll plough on. <laughs> I'm fairly sure it is, Adam. We've got some more comments to go through on the live chat. Apologies for all the technical problems today. It's, it's just the um, way it goes sometimes. You, you're trying to broadcast from your, from your living room. Uh, Gang says, Danny, technically superb extremely quick and very unpredictable all in all real top class future England forward what do you make of that Dan could we have a, a future England international in Danny Ings 
Um, he's, he's, he's certainly going the right way about it, isn't he? Um, he's, he's, he's scored in, in a previous appearance for the under-21s. He had a great chance to score last week. Uh, sorry, yeah, midweek last week for for the under-21s as well. He, he's certainly certainly heading in the in the right direction and he's, he's only going to get better as well. Um, at the minute, it's, it's going to take time. He's, he's still young, he's still learning. Um, he's still got to polish polish his performances up in front of goal, but it's he's only heading one way, and I think a Premier League season um, will 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 show just just how good a player he is. Do you think if we if we do get promoted, Dan, let's keep hold playing Ings? I'm sure what well, players like Ings are going to be in the Premier League next season anyway, aren't they? But do you think we'll we'll keep hold of him? I'm sure he'll want to play in the. Premier League with Burnley warning to, to make the most of what he's achieved this season as much as anything. I think so. Yeah, um, I, I don't. I wouldn't see any reason why he he would move away. He's he's unproven in the Premier League, so it it depends whether whether clubs would would want to take take a risk, and then it's down to him whether he sees himself breaking into uh, clubs more established in the Premier League. So I think I, I think the safest bet for him is to stick it out with Burnley. Show what he's capable of with Burnley, and then if 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 a if a move comes about in the summer, then you know fair play to him. Go go and take it and and be ambitious and and show that you can, you know, mix it with, mix it with the best in that division. Um, but I think sometimes sometimes players rush it, and and it really affects the career. And you know, I don't I don't think he's the kind of player just to take the chance uh, just on a whim, really. It'd be amazing to see a Danny Ings, Jay Rodriguez strike for Stringland at some point in the future, wouldn't it, James? That would just be amazing for Burnley fans, I suppose. And it really sends a message for young players, I think, when you have that sort of success from players who've moved on, that if they come to Burnley, we can develop them and that's only going to be good news for the club in the future. Yeah, I mean, that would be absolutely fantastic to see. Um, I don't, I'm not really sure how the two would particularly work together as a, as a strike partnership. Because um, I think what you see at the moment with Volks is that his sort of attributes really work to to help Danny Ings, and I think the same the other way as well. But I think um, you know Danny Ings and Jay probably better to find a way to make it work because they're both um, sort of that different level of football where you uh, just seem to have got a bit more about them. Absolutely. That'll be something we get to see at some point in the future. Just to go back to Saturday's game, I had a comment from Jack. He says, um, where on earth did the four minutes of injury time come from? I don't know, about four minutes. It felt like about four decades to me. I couldn't even <laughs> watch the the injury time. I had my head in my hands. I was pacing around the pub. I, I couldn't deal with it. It was absolutely awful. I can't imagine what it was like for you, Dan, having to sit in the press box and take notes on that. It was just, oh. <laughs> it- it was absolutely yeah. About it, it was terrible. bad. Luckily, we've had I've had the experience with it before. I had to go on a little walk at the end of uh, at the end of the game at Wembley, um, just just to uh, compose myself before returning for the final few minutes. Um, yeah, it, it was hard, and, and I didn't realise until I got back and, and watched the highlight package that how good an opportunity that was for Grant Hanley right at the death. Um, I, I don't know if it's if it's Law who's put the ball back into into the box and and Hanley's tried spinning and hitting it on the half volley and he's he's, he's got it all wrong. But the space has really opened up from in front of goal and if if he connects with that, you know it's going to take it's it's going to take great positioning from Heaton and a, and a good serve to to stop him from scoring. 
because yeah, it was from close range as well. While you were away as well, Dad, James talking about how, how well Heaton coped with that barrage at the end. He made one top from distance, but there was two in injury time as well. But normally, you'd say they're fairly straightforward saves, but when you've got all that pressure, it, they're turning to really big saves, and you've got to credit Tom Heaton for managing to hold on to those. Yeah, I, I think they, they were the two headers from Gested, weren't they? Um, his, his positioning is just absolutely impeccable. He, you, you can't fault his his talent at all. He's, and that, that's been a... I think having him at the back, working alongside the defence this season has been a, has been a big uh, factor in, in how well we've done this year. Um, like I said, the, the two headers, they, they look comfortable, but Having said that, if if he wasn't as positioned as well as he as he had been, it it would have been a bit more difficult for him. And of course, James Tom Heaton's got carrots in his family, hasn't he? I mean, if we were playing football, one of the questions would be: Does it help that you've got someone who understands the rivalry? And I suppose it must do, doesn't it? You could see from his celebration that it means a hell of a lot to him and, and all the players. Really, the, the scenes of the celebrations. I, I was watching highlights and replays and vines and Instagram videos for about an hour this morning when I was meant to be at work. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get bored of seeing those signs. But Yeah, I think it's... I think, it. I think we've got a really good squad at the moment because uh, I think at a lot of clubs, the players don't really don't really get it with, with the fans. But here at the moment, you know, people like Kieran Trippier, Danny Ings, I think they really tuned in to what the fans think are important. Obviously, they know that these sort of games are massive for their fans, and Heaton in particular. I mean, there's a video, I think, from the other end of the ground, uh, obviously behind his net when we score the second, and he, he starts running round like a madman, sort of punching the air. And you can see that he you know, he realises how big it is, how important that game is. I think another good thing um, from our perspective as well is that nobody apart from Michael Duff knows what it's like to lose a derby either. You know, they've all... They've all the players that have that were in the squad yesterday have, have all, you know, it's, all, it's been draws against them all the time. There's only Duff that's experienced losing against them, so I don't think there's even that fear fear it anymore. I don't. I, th- I think they're just going into the game like any other uh, and and showing showing no fear. That's a really good point, actually, isn't it? Because when you when you've gone through that in the past, you can carry the scars, can't you? And while that can fuel you to be determined yeah. to make amends, it. It can also make you a bit nervous because you know how bad it is when you lose. So, yeah, I think mean, that's a really good point. I also noticed that there's not many players in the squad now who've been in the Premier League. So, whereas last time we were sort of fueled by people who had had a bit of a chance in the Premier League but hadn't really made the most of it, so they wanted to get back. We've got such a young time. It's mainly players who haven't had that yet, so they're determined to get there with Burnley, and it's. It's all and against the odds type story, isn't it? Like players like Scarfield, discarded by Huddersfield in the summer, suddenly a major part in a team that looks like it's going to get promotion. It's an incredible story. Yeah, it is definitely. It's um, and you got to look at at Darch for that as well. It's the same with Jones. He discarded by Rovers and Wigan, and and you you've got to look and think. Well, they've not seen it. What you know? What's what's Darch seen to to gamble on them and and bring them in? And it's it's obviously paid off paid off massively, hasn't it? It depends on who they are as players as much as uh, their actual ability as well. Um, Adams just pointed out on the chat that Sean Dyche himself was discarded by Watford, so there's a lot of that around people who, who've been let go perhaps harshly and they've got a lot to prove. And I think that's all coming together. Um, 
looking ahead to the next two games then, obviously Derby play Tuesday night, don't they, against Bull. Um But they lost at home on Saturday. We were talking last week on the podcast, weren't we, James, about Derby against Millwall. We were saying it's not going to be as easy as people might think, looking at these two games against teams at the bottom at home. You can't count them as six points because these teams are fighting, aren't they? And certainly saw that from Millwall and Bolton as well. They've won the last two games pretty heavily, haven't they? So it'll be difficult for Derby to win on Tuesday night and they really need to keep up some problems, don't they? Yeah, I mean, well, I think we were almost laughed off our own podcast last week when, uh, <laughs> when I said that, that you know, there's a chance that Millwall could get something. I mean, obviously, I didn't expect them to win, but I thought they did cause Derby more problems than people maybe expect. And obviously, we did see that. And uh, yeah, the, any game at this part, this end of the season is really tough. You've, the teams in the middle are probably the ones you want to face because yeah, they're almost definitely. playing for nothing. Um, even though sometimes then you get the fact that you know players are trying to show that they they could have done better, or you know they're fighting for new contracts. So you still do get the odd one from the middle of the pack where. Maybe you don't want to play them, um, but particularly top and bottom, you've got teams that are, you know, they get into the business end of the season. They they can see what they, you know, want to achieve this season, and they know that the only way to do it is to to win each game. And as a result, I think you get much more competitive football at this time of year. Definitely, I think the playoff system is alive for so many teams, doesn't it? I mean, you've got to say like the top four will be the top four at the end of the season, but there's anyone down to probably 13, 14 still thinks they can get in that top six if they go on a good run between the end of the season. I was looking at the table and even someone like I think there's still 17. If they carry on smashing like they have in the last two weeks, then you never know. They could find themselves in there, but it's all about momentum at this stage of the season. So we've seen Forrester lost three in a row. QPR have had a bit of a wobble. Derby have now lost two in a row. Um, that's three wins on the spin, isn't it, for Burnley now? So we're certainly moving. Um, Dan, looking ahead to, to Wednesday night at Birmingham, that's probably going to be straightforward for the season, isn't it? Birmingham's home record's pretty shocking, and they're probably safe. I think I think pretty shocking is an understatement. Is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> well, for, I think, is it twice they've won at home all season? It, it is something like that, yeah. I think they've won awful. twice at home all season, and, and the last one was against Millwall in, at the beginning of October. So, you, you, yeah, you have, you have, you've got to be looking at that one for for three points. But I, I think it works in kind of works in our favour again because with Derby and QPR playing on the Tuesday evening, it, it kind of gives you that idea of what you need to do. Um, I, I think Derby will drop points against Bolton, and I think a QPR at, at Brighton. I think. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think yes. QPR at Brighton as well, which which you know Brighton are fighting for the playoffs. That's not that's not a gimme. So if if those two drop points tomorrow, and we can go um, to St Andrews and beat Birmingham like most people will be expecting us to, um, that you know that that's going to open a massive gap, and it's it's going to be it's hard to see us messing up from there I thought I thought Birmingham earlier on in the season when we beat them 3-0 at Turf were one of the worst teams I've seen um, this year so hopefully you know that bad run at home continues for him Yeah you aren't quite safe actually especially one of the things from Saturday it was really strange Charlton weren't playing because they had their cup game but the four teams in the bottom five who did play all won 
So that gap to teams like Birmingham, teams like Blackpool, even uh, well, Bolton won, so not them, but that gap got ate up a little bit. Birmingham will be probably scrapping a little. But yeah, you would expect us to get that sort of result. And yeah, you're right. QPR are going to Brighton, so that's a tough one. Normally at this stage of the season, James, you'd want to be playing first, wouldn't you, and put the pressure on. But because we've got that, do you think Dan's right and it's good to have the other teams play before us to get the pressure on and then we know what result we need? How, how do you think that works out? I think I think the way it's playing out now, it almost really doesn't matter. I mean, we've got eight <laughs> points on Derby at the moment. Um, you, you know what you've got to do every game. I think it's the way Sean Dash has said all season. He just wants to go out, be competitive and you know do everything we can to win football games. And... Uh, you know, I don't think we need to look over our shoulder at the moment. As long as we keep doing what what we're doing, you've got to say that it'd be tricky for us to to miss out on second now. But I think Birmingham might be a tougher place to go than I think we all expect. They are, I think, in the mix for the relegation battle. Um, they're just just a point above Blackpool, who you know obviously are in free fall and haven't won since the first of November or whenever it was. Um, four years couple... ago, actually, the last time Blackpool won a game was four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, there's a couple of there's a couple of teams down there, the current relegation zone sort of holders. Um, they've all got games in hand, so it, it, if they were to win, you know, some of those fixtures, it could really tighten up at the bottom, and uh, there's going to be a lot of teams sort of battling it out to survive. Yeah, I think uh, Bolton, after their two wins, they're probably be okay, but anyone below is in trouble. I think Blackpool are gone as they've still got a six point cushion. But so long since they've won a game, I think it's going to be very difficult for them. Barry um, Ferguson is a football genius. <laughs> it's such a strange situation at Blackpool. Like getting rid of Paul Lins makes sense, but if you're not going to actually appoint a manager and just have them try and look after it short term, it's just not going to work, is it? And, the Miss Ferguson on the pitch as well. It's absolute mess at Blackpool. Dan, up on position now, it would take us to mess up to not get promotion. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so. It's, it's up to everyone else now to to excel and try and be- do to try and better us. Um, you, you'd think with the way we've been playing all season, with the results we've been picking up, the consistency. I just can't. I can't see us slipping up at all, and it's going to take a hell of a run from one of the teams below to, to catch us. It, it's, 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 it is in our hands, but I think it's up to them to, to to outdo us. I think, like James says, we've just got to carry on doing what we're doing, focusing on ourselves, and you know, I, I think the, it'll look after itself, really. And what about Leicester? I suppose the, the players have to target top spot, don't they? I mean, if you aim for that and get second, that's fine. But you, you have to try and catch Leicester and we've got that gap down to five points. They play at Barnes on Tuesday night, which, as we were saying, teams at the bottom fighting for points. Barnsley won at home against Forest at the weekend, so that's not going to be a gimme for Leicester, is it? And we play them quite soon, so we could reel them in yet. Do you think the title up for grabs or are we just playing for second? I think it's definitely up for grabs, yeah. Um... Uh, we're in similar form to to Leicester, if not better. But like you said, they've got to come to to us. And given our home form, you, you'd expect us to. Well, I mean, you look at performances against Forest and, and Derby. I think we'll beat Leicester at home. And once that gap closes again, 
the pressure's then on them, um, and that that can really affect teams at the top. So, I th- I, th- I think top is a is a definitely a realistic ambition. De- definitely, we should really go for that. Um, just before we do end the show for tonight, then we'll do some predictions for the two games. I had two games actually before we do the the podcast again. Birmingham away on Wednesday night, and we will be doing none and ever live because. Um, that's a, a quarter to eight kickoff at St Andrews, and then Leeds coming to Turf Moor at the weekend. Another massive game at Turf Moor. Can we extend that beaten run? James, we'll start with you. Then predictions for these two games. Um, I, I think Wednesday night will be a pretty routine uh, two 0 I think um, Saturday is obviously a harder one to call. It's a really tough game. Leeds are a side that are very hit and miss and sometimes it can look sensational other times they look absolutely abysmal it's been miss uh, recently hasn't it they've taken hammering the last two games yeah I mean but they really should have beat QPR the week before so um, they are one of those teams that are a bit hard to judge but I think we'll uh, I think we'll do well I think 4-1 against Leeds um, <laughs> but I, I think it's I think it's worth mentioning as well on another level just how big a game it is Having it as a three o'clock kickoff against what the police want, I think it's really important that uh, the fans respond to that and behave the right way, so that we can get away from some of these daft kickoff times. And you know, hopefully, future derbies you might not even have to get herded around like uh, cattle. Absolutely, and there wasn't much trouble Sunday, was there? I think there was. Uh, we've heard about some slight nastiness in some of the posh seats, actually, but I don't think there was much at all. Yeah. Uh, Dan, you can probably shed light on that. Did you hear about many arrests yesterday? Do you know what? I got told how many arrests there were. I think there were about 13. I, I, yeah, I think That's I really cool, isn't it? 11 or something. Um, yeah, oh yeah, I think it was 11 and, and, and a 13-year-old was among them. Yeah, and they, <laughs> but they, were all, they were all for really wishy-washy stuff. I mean, I think one guy was trying to enter a ground drunk and there was a couple of drunken disorders in there and uh, there wasn't really much of... Sort of any real malice. Yeah, I suppose the police though will then claim that the, the policing works. It, it's sort of a, a vicious circle in that respect. Um, Dan, just to come back to you then. Do you want to give us a couple of predictions for these next two games? Um, I think we'll beat Birmingham eleven nil. <laughs> Only eleven nil. <laughs> no, I think I think Birmingham will be. Uh, I think it'll be two one. At Birmingham, um, and I'm going to go three-one uh, against Leeds. But I also think that the turf really needs to be packed on Saturday. I, I, if a victory over, if a first victory against Blackburn in 35 years doesn't bring the crowds to Turf more, and if we're going to beat Birmingham, then nothing will. I think you know we, should, we need to be looking at twenty. It is a it's a gold category match, isn't it? So it's a lot of money for a walk on, but yeah, it'll be a big crowd and hopefully there'll be no trouble more. We will of course be doing none and ever live if you're not making it to either of the games this week. Wednesday night rather than Tuesday night this week at Birmingham and Leeds at home on Saturday afternoon. Thanks for everyone who's listened today. We thought you've enjoyed a historic none and ever podcast today. Looking right, our first win over Blackburn Rovers in almost 35 years. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So thanks to everyone who's taken part today. Thanks to Dan and James for joining me. And we'll be back next week when hopefully we'll have a couple more victories to talk about. I've been Jamie Smith. Good night.
You've been listening to the No Nay Never podcast. For more, visit nonaynever.net. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at nonaynevernet. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.